talk about uh, auto transport so I wanted to let you know we're up here in Franklin New Hampshire Benson Chevrolet uh, we're picking up a leased turn back so what that basically means is a company has leased a vehicle for one of its employees uh, and now they no longer either need the vehicle or they've given them a new one so we're here today to load this vehicle we're gonna take this Chevy Equinox uh, we're gonna verify the VIN number document any damage to it and then we're gonna load this thing up and we're gonna head to our next stop down in Manchester pick up a second one, and then we're gonna transport those both to auction. Uh, I'll fill you in, we'll give you some more videos as the day goes on. Thanks, Duner. Data too, as you can tell, fellow uh, New Englanders over there, we'll catch up with them a little later on their journey because we got a ton going on the show today. For example, I'm talking to the Road to Autonomy's Grayson Brulte about the good, the bad, and the ugly in autonomous vehicles. You know, one of the reasons I was even able to get monetized on X was because of a video I posted about a bunch of robots getting beat up in Hollywood. That and, uh, that and Taylor Swift. Thank you, Swifties. Relay Payments, they're partnering with NASCAR and Driver Appreciation Week. They're talking about to talk about their Hall of Fame. David Barrick is here. He's going to get us all up to speed on how these drivers are being honored. Wholesale diesel prices are up 27% from their one-year lows back in June. Talking to Hellbent Express's Jamie Hagen about running smart, staying smart, fueling smart, staying on this road. Real official owner-operator. He knows his stuff. He also has a little scam to tell us about, so we'll hear all about that. You've seen the news. You've seen all the fires in Maui. We have Seawide Express Monica Thornton here. She's going to tell us all about what's happening there, if there's any freight impacts, and we'll give you some information on some relief you consider as well. Got a ton of other things, but let's tip the band, and we'll get to some guests. You may think of AIT Worldwide Logistics as an average U.S. forwarder, but in the past decade, they've evolved to become a global logistics powerhouse. Today, AIT is customizing supply chain solutions for multinational Fortune 500 companies, shipping between Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and North America. Despite this company's exponential growth, they are still the experts when it comes to creating tailored plans that fulfill your supply chain requirements. Find out how your business can benefit from logistics pros at AITworldwide.com. Right now, though, let's talk about Hawaii real quick. Monica Thornton, operations manager at Sea White Express. I've seen the fires. There's been way too many fires this year. We just got over dealing with the air from Canada, and now Hawaii's on fire. Right. And usually you don't think of somewhere like Hawaii having wildfires. Um, generally, if they do, it is from lightning or lava flows. 
Um, in this case, I have not seen any information as to the cause of these fires. Um, there are fires on multiple islands. Currently, the worst of the fires is what you're seeing in the news, which is the town of Lahaina. Um, Lahaina has, for the most part, been lost. Um, it is a very historic town on the island of Maui. Um, there are there are buildings in, in history dating back more than 200 years there um, that have been lost. Um, so the the team at CY is just absolutely deeply saddened by this. We have coworkers in Hawaii. We have friends, family, um, you know, vendors and clients. We are working very hard to find out um, which of our clients and vendors and contacts um, have lost their businesses, um, lost their homes. It's my understanding that cell phone service had been knocked out prior to these fires. Um, that was with the passing of Hurricane Dora. Um, so communication has been has been very difficult. Um, I, I've seen some of the the recent news articles that the the governor has actually um, began looking at a plan to utilize hotels um, to provide homeowners rentals um, if they've lost their homes. The the last numbers that I saw were that there's more than a thousand buildings that have been destroyed by the fires. Um, they're asking that that people um, not attempt to travel um, unless they are leaving the island or residence. I've also seen that there are that the airlines are providing discounted rates um, for people that are being displaced by the fires. Um, in terms of freight and disruptions to um, the regular freight transit, the the vessels and the barges are all still operating um, on their regular schedules, um, including servicing the the island of Maui. Um, there are additional flights for cargo being scheduled. Um, and we are trying to help accommodate customers that are that are trying to provide relief services. Um, we do ask that um, those reaching out to us for services let us know um, when a shipment does contain relief products so that we can get them um, quotes and bookings turned around as fast as possible. Um, yeah. CY is part of a larger organization, the AJC group of companies. We do have a 501c3 called AJC Cares. Um, I've worked with this group for the past five or six years on our philanthropy and corporate giving. We have set up a link where people can donate funds. Um, we are asking our employees to, to help in this, and our parent company is matching our employee donations to this. Yeah. Um, anyone that would like to donate, I, I have that post on my LinkedIn um, with a link for that. We do not have a specific organization identified yet. We wanted to, um, you know, jump in as quick as we could and ask people to help provide funds for relief here while we're trying to vet some organizations and find the right, the right one to provide funds to. Yeah, I've heard there's, uh, last I checked, there was over 55 dead, over a thousand missing. So it's really devastating. Over there, it's it's. A, is there a name for your for those uh, not on LinkedIn for people obviously watching and listening? What what's the name of this group? Is there some way they can like Google that? Um, they can they can go to AJC Logistics um, website, AJC International. Um, there is a link to AJC Cares um, on those websites, and then um, following following your show, I will post it again to my LinkedIn page. Um, we we did 
um, create a, a LinkedIn post that has the link there for people to donate there. In, and, you know, I, I ask people if you can donate in any way, donations don't have to be monetary. You know, I, I read some strong words yesterday in an article that said, whatever you believe in, Lahaina needs it. And that is the truth. They need prayers. They need donations. They need goods. They need volunteers locally. Um, people have had to flee their homes and literally jump into the ocean I have read stories about five-year-old children being fished out of the ocean um, by boats that were able to go out and, and try to rescue people. It, it is a bad situation, and, and they are really in need of help from people. Yeah, our own Nick Torres, he put in our Slack, he said, Hi, everyone. With the terrible situation happening in Maui, I've been in close contact with my best friend, Brother Kai, who is, in, who is a Maui County firefighter. He, his wife, and his in-laws, who are retired Maui cops and firefighters, recommend the following donation sites. They're looking at... Maui Food Bank, Maui United Way, Hawaii Community Foundation. But he said, Any, whatever you can do, just help. But before I let you go, Monica, let's say someone's listening. They, they're aware of this issue. We all know what's happening. They want to expedite their shipment, and they want to do it through Seawide. Where do I send them to? How do they get that rolling? Um, you can send them to our website. And from our website, our team will direct them to the best person on our staff to help them. Um, we can assist in getting, getting air freight quotes um, for goods that need to be expedited there. Um, if we can't help you to get the service that you need, we can certainly tell you um, a referral to who can. Monica, thank you so much for your time today and for giving us an update on uh, this dire situation over in Maui and in Hawaii. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me share the info with with your watchers. Thank you. Take care. Have a, have a great weekend. You too. All right. Thoughts and prayers over in Hawaii. Go reach out to her. She can help you out. But in the meantime, we got some semi-cats right here. You guys running on the road. You got your own issues to worry about. This guy's doing it by bringing his cats with him. You know, we're going to lose this. I, when I talk to Grayson later, I got to ask him about this because I don't think like an autonomous truck would adopt cats and drive around with cats. I mean, that's kind of a human human thing, but maybe they give them like emotive chips. This would be hard. Like I've taken the cat to the vet and one time we took the cat on a road trip up to Boston. It was during like the height of COVID. And um, we've actually been doing that every year now. But we drove from Tennessee up to Boston and the cat took a crap in its carrier and it, like got all over its paws. We had to go on the rest stop and we had to like wash the cat's feet in the sink and get him back in there. But this guy or yeah, this guy looks like he's got it. Uh, he's got it handled. I like it. Well, good on you, cat driver. Let's take one more look over at the next stop. That dad of two roadside assistants LLC is at. Where are they now? All right, boys and girls, we arrived here at the auction. This is going to be kind of a multi-part thing because I got some cool going on. Uh, right now, I wanted to talk to you guys about offloading, right? So you see all these car carriers. They're all here. They're all doing one thing. They're all loading and unloading cars. One of the pain in the ass is obviously you got these three cars. You got nine cars, seven cars. We're all trying to wedge in. You know, the, the auction doesn't care. They don't paint the lines. It's kind of a pain. So, uh, you know, you get one guy that parks off kilter. We get screwed. You gotta take the cars from your truck. You gotta drive them over to the gate. They check them in. Then you gotta drive way over there by that truck over there and get them parked in. Uh, you know, auction deliveries are, are real tough some days, especially on auction days. Um, as you can see, guys coming and going. It's like uh, bees hovering around a hive here. Uh, I'll give you another update in a quick second. I got uh, the guy next to me from East Coast is gonna offload. I'll give you a picture of that. Very cool. We'll catch them at their next stop. But right now, we'll catch Grayson Brulte, founder and CEO the road to autonomy grayson you look awesome man where are you hanging out today i'm in new york today it's great I, to be in the big apple why are you in the big apple what brought you to new york 
Uh, I would J, uh, JP Morgan was very kind to invite me to their autos conference. And you, I will sum it up to you this way. Autonomy is investable. Autonomy hmm. is investable. We saw the JP Morgan autos conference clearly demonstrated that. What, what stood out to you the most that you saw there? I saw the most compelling financial pitch I've seen for an autonomous startup given by James Reed, a former CEO of USA Trucking, now COO of Kodiak Robotics. The most compelling financial pitch I've ever seen for an autonomous company, let alone vehicle or truck. James did a brilliant job of laying out the financials in Kodiak's roadmap. And, and for an individual who doesn't believe in autonomy or doesn't believe it's going to be a business, sit down with James Reed, watch him give you the financial presentation for Kodiak. It'll, frankly, it'll knock your socks off because it's powerful and it's going to be a big business. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk a lot about autonomy, truths and myths. There's a lot of hype out there, and there's a lot of reality out there that that hype needs to meet. And hopefully, we can do that. But before we do, let's qualify you a little bit. For those who don't know, what's the road to autonomy? Where you come from, Grayson? Where do we come from? We come from the world of finance. Um, we have an, a, an index where we partner with S&P Global. Uh, index ticker is autonomy, A-U-T-O-N-O-M-Y. And we track the financial industry for autonomy. We believe that autonomy is going to be a big business. And we built an index to track it. 38 publicly traded companies. Average market cap, $38 billion. The companies are doing over half a million dollars in trades every quarter. And it's just growing. And it's a really big business. And that's where we're coming from. Who's the rock star of the index? The rock star to date is it's been driven by the big it's been driven by Alphabet, it's been driven by Tesla, and it's been driven by Daimler truck is coming on very strong and Volvo as well. They're really coming on strong. And now the from what Paul Jacobson, CFO comments of GM made at the JP Morgan conference, I'm getting very bullish on GM and what they're doing with Cruise. Now, there's another company that may be added to your index. They're called Serve Robotics. I put this video out on social media. It it took off. It actually helped me get monetized. On X, and so for people who have who didn't catch that saying before, Serve Robotics they did a partnership with. Um, well, I believe they're owned by Postmates X, right? But they did a partnership with Seven Eleven and Uber Eats. They want to put thousands of these in in Hollywood. They've deployed some, but the one thing engineers don't always account for, especially on something like this, is the street. <laughs> Who's on the street? And will people mess with these things? When you saw this video, Grayson, what did you think? Not surprised. Not, not not surprised. Why would you pick that environment to de deploy these robots? That's the question that I would ask. Why? What, what was the rationale for it? I can understand the rationale deploying it on a college campus, deploying it at an amusement park, deploying it on a corporate campus. But why to deploy it on the streets of Hollywood, which you're seeing public statistics around the crime? Why would you go into an environment where there's high crime? Yeah, because the issue is, too... What's to stop you? You're 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 homeless. You're underprivileged. Maybe you need to score some drugs, and you see this loot box rolling down the street. That there's going to be very little law enforcement around, right? And the cops aren't going to be running down to stop these things. Cops can barely stop regular crime. And you've seen what happens at Walgreens with everything locked behind doors. I like what you're saying about things like business parks, college campuses, high trust areas, areas or amusement parks, places that if you screw up, it's a, the law doesn't matter. If you screw up, you can get expelled from school. You can get kicked out of the office park. That can go to your employer. Um, any one of these places or amusement park, your day at Disney, you're done. You're, you're banned from Disney for life. There's actually some consequences beyond like a petty theft ticket for knocking a robot over. Absolutely. So we've all been Disney World and we've all sat in those long lines that for until a pandemic and they only went one way, longer and longer and longer. So imagine this. I don't know. Let's give a long line here. You're at Space Mountain or you're on a small world and you're in an hour long. And then this little robot comes by and offers to sell you ice cream. 
that makes sense. You kick it, but you get banned from Disney World. You get banned from Disney World, your children are going to hate you. So you're not going to do that. And then from an economic standpoint for Disney, it's highly profitable because you're, you're losing the labor cost there. And then you're increasing the profitability, but you're also increasing the impulse sales. Well, it's really hot. Let's let's buy an overpriced water for $7. Let's buy a Mickey Mouse ice cream for $10. Okay, so what's your profit on that? $8, $7 a piece? That's a highly profitable business. That's where you should look to deploy them. What value do you have deploying them on public roads? Because Cruise is going into the delivery business. Bright Drop's expanding in the delivery business. Why compete with a vehicle? You're not going to go kick a vehicle. You might jump and put a cone on it because you're an idiot, but you're not going <laughs> to kick the vehicle. So what value? What what value does Serve have in the public in, in the from the public roadways? W- what is it doing? And, and Dooner, this was in their 8K filing. There's only 26 robots out there. Okay, so let's have some fun here. Tw- 26 robots in Q1 2023. Swerve generated four thousand two hundred fifty-two thousand dollars in revenue. The cost of that revenue is three hundred sixty-seven thousand two hundred sixty-one dollars. Okay, forty thousand two fifty-two. Rough math times four. You know what you equal? Craig Fuller's been talking about this. $170,000, a UPS driver. So should every UPS driver make a SPAC to go public? Same revenue. It's more profitable revenue. I, I, I don't know how to explain it to you. This is their, uh, this is, so they're, they're doing something that I got burned on. I bought some of these SPACs during like the pandemic. A lot of these companies have come out via SPACs and I've learned my lesson. I stay far, far away from SPACs, but this company announced that they are going public. Now, Grace, before we even look at this thing is one of the reasons they have to sell this dream of robots driving on every street is because they want to raise money. They want to inflate the scale of, of these things where if they say, Hey, we're a company that just focuses on campuses and Disney, we're not selling as many robots. Although, as you said, I think they've stayed what they have less than 60 of these things on the road. Break this this uh, filing down for me. Yeah, the, the, so there, there's 26 on the road. 26. 26. Cruise, for an example, give you a barometer. They have over 400 vehicles running around today. Waymo's probably high 300s, low 400s. We don't have a, pu- a public filing. but and they're, and they're running 26. Full year 2022, they only generated $107,819 in revenue with a $21 million loss. How how is that investable? You're you're not growing f- fast enough. They're they're losing revenue, and they're focusing on a market that's frankly not sustainable. We saw this with Starship Technologies; they cut the big deal with Greenberg Trout back in the day. They could never scale. I have not heard a compelling argument to how this scales. And and look at their financials. Look at how much money they lost. Lost from operations four point two million dollars. How do you go public? I remember in the old days, to go public, you had to go through rigorous underwriting. You had to have two things. One, you had to be profitable, and you had to be growing that revenue profitably. This just feels – you want to know what this frankly feels like? It feels like deja vu all over again. Why? And not to mention, in the 8K filing, said we have, and I quote, limited commercial experience around scaling. So I'm going to invest in your company. You're running out of money. You have no commercial ability to scale. What are you offering? Ugh. What are you offering? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it looks, it definitely looks bad. And I gotta, but here's something, here's, so here's something I'm long on. So maybe we don't like delivery robots on the streets of Hollywood. And I know I showed that video of the cruise hitting the semi truck, but in a lot of ways, what, all that really did was highlight how safe cruise vehicles have been because they've only had three accidents and most of them were arguably at fault of the other vehicle, even that semi one, because that turn he was making wasn't the most, Legal turn. And then this news came out from California. We have granted additional operating authority for Cruise and Waymo to conduct commercial passenger service using driverless vehicles. Big deal in the space, right? 
I'm I, I thought I was going to wake up this morning. I'm on the East Coast and and have bad news and I woke up to good news. And I said to my wife this morning, I said, I can't believe it. California put public politics aside and did what was right for the residents of California and what was right for the San Francisco economy. I am completely blown away that the California Public Utilities Commission put economics, economic health of the state before politics. That's unheard of of California. That's a very, very big move. And it's going to have a lot of very positive impacts across the United States because it says if California won't be bullied by the unions, who else is going to be bullied by the unions? It's very bullish for the Thomas vehicle industry. But Grayson, what about the cruise vehicles getting bullied by these these coners who like to unicorn the cruises? They're, they're idiots. Why why damage that? What if what if the Thomas vehicle industry decided to go put cones in your bike lanes? Would you find that funny? No, you find it offensive and you and you go full blown militant. So why why do it to us? What are you trying to prove? Why don't you sit down and engage in a meaningful dialogue, a meaningful conversation, instead instead of acting vandalism? To me, it's flat out vandalism. And for the people, and I think they're idiots that are doing this, by the way, there's cameras on there. They know everything you're doing. And at some point, you're going to get arrested because you vandalize private property. It's morally and ethically wrong. If you don't like it, sit down and have an open conversation. There's forms for that. To act in vandalism is wrong. We learned this when we're three and four years old. Yeah, I mean, well, but how long do you think this robot abuse is going to be happening? I've been chronicling a lot of it. I've seen these, they either get attacked, they get yelled at, you got people putting cones on them. You think society is going to take a while to get used to these things? No, California was raging against against the machine until the California Public Utilities Commission did the right thing. No, I think it's... It's just a small one-off in California. Why the autonomous vehicle industry decided to build the industry in San Francisco, deploy in San Francisco, is beyond me. The autonomous vehicles that are operating in Austin, operating in Dallas, operating in Houston, operating in Miami, operating in Phoenix. You don't see this. No it's more a San free- Francisco problem. No more free rides, though, right? you got to pay in San Francisco. But they're bringing these cruises down here to Southeast. I'll be able to ride in one if I want. All i got to do is go down to Atlanta. It's going to be great. The fact no more free rides is great. You know what this says? It's a business. Yeah. And now it's an investable business. And then you're going to see Miss Mary Barr, chair and, and CEO of GM. And mark my words, at some point, I would I would go publicly and predict the next four to six quarters, she will break out cruise revenue. And we're going to be astonished the amount of revenue the cruise is making. It's becoming a business now. This is the big milestone. It's becoming a business. What California Public Utilities Commission did, they helped to usher in the autonomy economy. And you're going to see this massive amount of revenue that's generated with autonomy. And California started it. And for that, we're very thankful for that. How about trucks? You and I met at Torque. We met at Torque last November. We got to do a ride along in the vehicle. There were the two great safety drivers we had in the truck. Um, at the time, I said, you know, if you close your eyes, you wouldn't know you were in an autonomous truck. You'd have no idea. Um, the drivers did a great job. If anything, it's a little too polite. It's a little, uh, it's not a very aggressive vehicle. They're very, 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 very safety concerned because there's always that existential threat of an accident setting them way, way back. So they take that incredibly seriously but what do you like in the spaces we've had a lot of people die we've had too simple leave the market and i have a great quote from this too the too simple worker did you hear the engineer who was mad about ups workers getting money he said the engineers that created the truck he drives are more important because the impact of society is higher including providing a tool for work you work for too simple you don't even make a truck you make a computer module that goes in a truck and you're not even in the u.s anymore 
It was a tone deaf comment. Yeah, it was it was it was a, a tone deaf comment that's going to have a negative repercussions on that company, but but on the industry, it, 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 I don't know anything on this say, but a complete tone deaf comment. When you look at the autonomous trucking, it was a lot of fun when we went in the, the torque vehicle. I called it the polite truck. It yes. was very polite. You right, you close your eyes, you wouldn't even know, and it was comfortable and it was very comfortable ride. The Cascadias are incredible trucks. When you look at the truck industry, and you and I talk a, a lot about this, and I and I speak to a lot of friends and colleagues, the, the autonomous truck industry is healthy. I repeat, the autonomous truck industry is healthy. Now what we're starting to see emerge in the autonomous truck industry is consolidation, and the consolidation is very healthy. You're looking at the leaderboard now, and I, I've tweeted this, and, I, and I've said this very publicly. To me, it's coming down to a two-horse race right now. It's Torque Daimler and Kodiak. And the question is, does Kodiak get an OEM partner? And if Kodiak gets an OEM partner, look collectively for Torque and Kodiak to control 60-plus percent of the autonomous trucking market in terms of revenue in the next 12 months. Yeah, when you meet... There's just momentum's at their back. When you meet Torque... It's really interesting because their pitch is a lot different than the VC-backed ones and some of the ones that have gone by the wayside who were very much about accelerating the process. They were selling a dream much sooner. And you go to the tour guys and they go, it'll be ready when it's ready, probably the end of the decade. There's a lot of testing, and, and that's the health of the industry is testing it, making sure these things are viable. And when the truck is viable, that's when people will buy them. That's their answer to it. And they don't have to answer to the VCs. They have that OEM in place, and that allows them to survive. A lot of these companies that have to keep going to investors, especially in a down market like this, a down VC cycle, and say, hey, um, you know, we need another... 100 million or a billion dollar valuation here to make this thing a reality when it could be a long road off. Before we move off trucking, right now, though, what's the most exciting thing happening in autonomous truck testing? It's We're on the path to commercialization. The business yeah. models being built, Mr. Peter Von Schmidt, the CEO of Torque, has talked about it. Don Burnett, the CEO of Kodiak, has talked about it. Licensing. We're, we're now getting ready to enter the commercial or commercialization phase. And that's that's very exciting. The testing will continue, but now we're entering the, the era of commercialization. And it's going to get really, really exciting. Now, before I let you go, the office really quick. Let's focus on the other workers, the ones sitting there, the ones who thought all the blue-collar workers would be phased out by AI and autonomy. Now that we've looked at it more and, and you're seeing both the software side and the physical side, who do you think... What employment do you think takes a bigger hit from autonomy? Is it the desk worker or is it the driver? Neither. They both grow. Really? They both grow. If you, let's just say you're, you're 18 years old, you're, you're 25 years old, and you decided that you wanted to get your CDL and you wanted to become a professional driver, you're going to retire a professional driver. The next 20 to 30 years, even I'll even go as far as 40 to 45 years, are going to, I call them the hybrid years. Where you will have prof professional drivers, men and women, complementing autonomous trucks, they will they will not displace them. A lot of those jobs are going to become higher paying jobs, and they're going to become last mile, where you can go home and, and sleep in your bed at night. You can go to your son's little league game. You can go to your daughter's ballet. You're going to see growth there, and from the office jobs, you're going to see growth there as well. You're going to see the growth there from the vehicle side. You're going to be able to take a vehicle to an office because we need that in person interaction, and we're also going to need individuals on the trucking side to remotely monitor these vehicles. And it's going to create jobs. And those are going to be office jobs. You're going to have blue collar jobs created. You're going to have white collar jobs created. And we didn't talk about this, but you're going to have a lot of mechanic jobs created. Yeah. And it's going to be really, really special.
You know what? It's funny. The age of autonomy is also turning into an age of labor, ironically, and an age where certain specialized workers are seeing their incomes go way up. Now, that may change with how people decide to go to college and what careers that they focus on, but we're seeing some very lucrative professions where you don't have to be afraid of tech. You can do what your daddy did. And you can be perfectly fine and even thrive and potentially do even better than he did. So it's something that for this audience, I know a lot of them are anti-autonomy and anti-trucks. That's why I try to bring people like you on here to just explain a little bit and get a little of the fear factor way of what this actually means, where we are, and to cut through some of the hype. So I really appreciate that. People who want that measured approach, they want to listen to your show or they want to work with you, where do I send them to? Uh, RoadToAutonomy.com. You can subscribe to our podcast. You can watch our weekly uh, this week in the index where we highlight all the index and if you're a professional driver that's concerned about what a tom is going to do your profession go to the website send me an email i'm happy to have a one-on-one conversation with you because we need the hard-working men and women in the trucking industry we're learning from you without you autonomy fails we need you and we want you to be a part of this so please reach out grayson little cowbell for you brother take it easy and you have a great weekend and when you get back to your home say hi to sly for me I'll do that, and you got to come on down. <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> Take it easy. All right, China, India, Korea, Vietnam, Belgium, the Czech Republic, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Switzerland, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Mexico. More than 2,700 AIT worldwide logistics supply chain experts are stationed in these countries and, of course, in offices across the United States. And in 2023, they're adding even more global locations as the organization strives to make it easier than ever for companies to ship between Asia, Europe, and the Middle East, and North America. If you're ready to create a shipping program as unique as your business, you can learn more at AITWorldwide.com. Elsewhere. You got volume on this? I love the sound of a falling box. This is, see, this is what happens when yellow goes out. You get these cut-rate LTL suppliers, and it's just chaos. A couple comments here. Jared said fork drop. SB said uh, the first crack of the pallet is one of the worst sounds. You know it's coming, and there's nothing you can do. Allison Cunningham, it's like a pinata, but logistics style. Babuzi, he said, if he would have lowered it faster in all-in-one motion, it might not have tipped. But who put it away not shrinked? Come on, man. Catherine Whitehouse says, ouch. Chase Osborne, I actually felt physically sick watching this. And Yusuf Kanzi points out that that thing definitely should have been wrapped before they put that all the way up there. I agree. Hey, let's see the next stop that dad of two roadside is at right now. So this is what, what a seven car looks like, right? So these guys are loading up, unloading, they get these cars on here. These guys are crazy, man. I watch these guys back in and off of these things like it's no problem, but you know, they gotta come underneath the bellies of these things. They gotta hook them all up. They gotta walk up and down this thing all weather, rain, snow, sleet, it don't matter. These guys are out here hustling every day, moving cars, right? So this guy right now, watch this. He's gonna come off this deck. He's gonna come, no problem, he doesn't care. He just walks right off this thing. These guys, you know, as much as what it says, uh, it's just truck drivers, just car hauling. There's some skill in this, because if you miss that ramp, you, you, you end up in the center of this belly, it ain't no fun. Now you gotta get out of here somehow. All right, guys, hey, listen, uh, keep following along. I got two more to pick up from T-Mobile. Uh, we'll keep hitting it, see you in a few. That it too. Drive safe out there. We'll catch up with you at the next stop. But to celebrate drivers and how they drive America's economy, Relay Payments is now accepting nominations for truck drivers who should be included in their Hall of Fame. I think we have a little teaser video here, too. Hey there, I'm William Byron, the driver of the legendary number 24 for Hendrick Motorsports. But before I can even think about tearing up the track, there's a vital team that needs to blaze the trail. The unsung heroes of the road, the truck drivers. 
Every race, every victory, it all hinges on the dedication of these remarkable individuals. They're the backbone of our racing world, transporting not just our essential gear and vehicles, but also our dreams. And let me tell you, their tireless efforts are something I truly cherish. That's why I'm excited to announce my partnership with Relay Payments. Relay is a company that understands the vital contributions of America's truck drivers. They're dedicated to making their lives easier. Whether it's simplifying fuel payments or reducing the headaches of unloading fees, Relay keeps truck drivers in the fast lane. I'm proud to have Relay Payments on my side. Together, we're supporting the backbone of our nation's economy, hardworking truck drivers. So join me and Relay as we champion the unsung heroes of the road. Let's keep America moving forward. Thanks, guys. All right, Hall of Fame. Let's find out all about it. David Barrick, CMO at Relay Payments. David, thanks for coming on today. Great to be here, man. Where are you, uh, where are you coming in from? What part of the world are you sitting at today? I'm, I'm in Atlanta. I actually just moved here a couple of weeks ago. So I'm starting to explore the city. I didn't know what to make of Atlanta, but I went down there for a conference, right? And I didn't have time to go explore the city. I've yeah. been down to a Braves game. And then last weekend, we actually went down to the aquarium over there. We saw the whale shark. We saw, like, the giant manta rays and everything. Atlanta is it's a little crazy driving down there a little bit, but it's fantastic once you're actually parked. It's phenomenal. We have a one-and-a-half-year-old. He's going nuts over the kids, children's museum, the aquarium. It's phenomenal. I'm, I'm just starting to get to know it. Oh man, You're, you guys are gonna crush it! It's such a great. I brought one of my kids down here to Chattanooga when he was about two, and uh, it's just been fantastic. Yeah. Let me ask you something though. So, what's this Hall of Fame that we just saw a preview on? What's Relay doing with NASCAR here? You know, we we decided to sponsor NASCAR early this year. It's got a ton of overlap with uh, it's you know it's near and dear to truck drivers around the country, and we decided to partner with uh, Hendrick Sports uh, Motorsports team. William Byron's really a phenomenal driver. Number twenty four has a lot of history. Um, so Jeff Gordon used to drive that number. And one of the things that's really interesting to us was, well, what did truck drivers do in NASCAR, right? There's actually a ton of drivers that support the team that move the cars around from uh, race to race. And we decided to pick a race that's happening on September 16th at the last great Coliseum in Bristol. It's where we want to honor truck drivers. So you've got this fantastic looking car. It's actually going to have some language to thank truck drivers. The race is happening on that Saturday uh, at 7.30 p.m. And we wanted to do something even more special. Instead of just sponsoring the car and the team, we thought we'd give a couple of drivers really a phenomenal VIP experience where they get to meet the driver, get to meet you know all the people that make that car go, and really go behind the scenes for the race. So we opened up nominations that are on RelayPayments.com for, for truck driver stories, right? We wanted people who, whether it's their father or their, their mother or an employee, to nominate some of the drivers that really represent the brand really well, really represent the industry, serve their community. And we've, I'll tell you, we've had some great submissions coming in already. Some of these are just phenomenal to read about the kind of things people transport, how much time they've dedicated in their life how many things they'd miss in their personal life just to be helping our economy and keeping things moving. So we couldn't think of a better way than to bring truck drivers together into the NASCAR scene and really give them a phenomenal experience. Yeah, it looks like if you win, the two winners are going to get two tickets to the NASCAR race at the 
Bass, the NASCAR Bass Pro Shops night race. That's on September 16th. You're going to get airfare for two and a night at the Red Roof Inn in Kingsport, Tennessee. Transfers to and from the track. And you even get some wham. You get some walking around money, some spending money. So, like, it's not you one do. of those things you go you here. Then, then everything at the track is, you know, expand, and you got to pay. No, you're all taken care of. And then you get some exclusive swag from that driver himself, William Byron. It's really awesome. So how do people go and nominate someone for this honor? They can go directly to our website, RelayPayments.com. You'll see a pop-up come up, and you can submit that nomination. Tell us, what is it about that truck driver that you think you know, really gets them to be nominated for this award? What is it about them that helps them represent the community well? How have they given back? Some of these are phenomenal stories. We're going to make a decision on – we've got a judging panel that's going to be looking at this – uh, and we're going to make a decision on August 20th, and William Byron's going to help us announce who those winners are. He's personally excited to shake their hands and meet them as well. So uh, just go to RelayPayments.com and, uh, and nominate that special driver in your life. Well, I nominate, I'm going to, can I do a verbal nomination? I nominate Jamie Hagen, owner at Hellbent Express for this, this Hall of Fame honor. I know our team is watching. They're probably writing that down and, uh, and making sure he's part of that as well. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's been special just sort of seeing how much truck drivers do for us. We've, uh, we've been working with them on lumper payments. I saw that video you showed, uh, on the dock. So we've been working with them really closely at, uh, at warehouses, at truck stops, and, uh, really been modernizing the way they pay, right? Today, truck drivers still use cash and check to pay for things? Like when's the last time you went to the aquarium in Atlanta? Did you use a check to pay for that? I did not. Right? So we want, yeah, that, that's, that feels 30, 40 years old. Mm. So we, we use apps for everything now. And that's what Relay Payments has been doing for truck drivers. So we wanted to make sure we kind of showed a modern take on what you can do with Truck Driver Appreciation Week. You can really host and treat something. And one other thing you, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but they get to bring a plus one. Right. Yeah. So maybe it's the person that nominated them. Maybe they, they get to share that experience. And I think that's what makes it special as well. Thank you so much for sharing this and for honoring these drivers in the Hall of Fame. Everyone go out there and nominate your favorite driver today and they'll be over at that race. Thanks so much for your time today. You have a great weekend. Thank you. Take care. Everyone. Take it easy. All right. We got one more stop on a day in the life of auto transport with dad of two roadside assistance, LLC. Check out their company. Check them out on Twitter or X, whatever dad of two roadside. Let's play the tape. All right, boys and girls, night falls upon us. We're here. Kittery. We've got our second two loaded. We're at Northeast auto auction here in Kittery, Maine. It's probably one of the smallest ones around, uh, but this is where I got my start back in, uh, oh, geez, 1999. Uh, that's where I learned hustle, grind, and execute. Uh, kind of something I live by today and how we get it done. Um, I was here, I'd show up every day, every Wednesday when they had their auctions. I'd hand out business cards, I'd learn to communicate with uh, dealers, and even learn the ins and outs of uh, how they like to screw you. Uh, you know, got screwed a few times on some toes out of here, but uh, learned a lot of valuable life lessons coming out of this place. And uh, I'm very thankful for uh, getting my start here. All right, guys, uh, we're going to get these to the dealer that bought them, and uh, we'll see you on the other end. 
Thank you guys so much for doing that. Like I said, if you're a driver out there, you're in a warehouse, you touch freight, take us in a day in the life of your day. Give us some updates. More than happy to uh, build a segment around on the show, have you on and talk about it. Data 2 is going to be on here in a couple of weeks to talk all about what they do. But you out there, offer is open. Just email me, tduner at freightwaves.com. Find me on LinkedIn, Timothy Dooner, or at Timothy Dooner on uh, X Twitter. Jamie Hagen, owner at Hell Bent Express. Speaking of working truck drivers... <laughs> how's it going sir what's up did you see i nominated you for the hall of fame oh that's uh awesome of you i don't know if i belong in there but sure well i i think you belong you're in a lot of people's hall of fame a lot of people look up to you but before we even start this there was something that happened in our last interview and it cut off so we never got an answer and now freight twitter has been like bugging us ever since about it so we can finally address the question jamie have you ever milked a cat I, I know what you, what you speak of. <clears throat> I believe you got to get a hold of those tiny little nipples and you just got to give them a little tweak. The teats, as they call them, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Well, you saw that. If you no, saw the video earlier in the show. If you saw the video earlier in the show, there was a guy driving around with like a th- with three cats in his car. So he's got, if, if as long as they're female, he's got more milk than he uh, than he needs. Smart man. Those prices that loves can get up there. But you're out, you're out there. You're working today. What's going on today before we even get into all this philosophy of running a truck? Well, today has been kind of a hectic day. Uh, went and delivered some cardboard to an egg uh, manufacturer. Or I guess they're not manufacturing the eggs. The chickens are, right? But they're boxing them up. And then now I'm headed to uh, pick up some uh, Bobcat UTVs. You know, they make these little little uh, utility vehicles with uh, buckets on them. Kind of a neat situation up here in Michigan. Mm. Now, Jamie, one of the reasons why when you were coming on last time and this time again, why I say it's so important to have you on, it's because of what's going on in fuel. Look at this chart right here, because one of your 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 killers, your cornerstones that you rest a running business on is running smart, running fuel efficiently. Those of you who are buying wholesale rack prices, they're up 27 percent from their one year lows back in June of this year. Well, still their highs of last October, we are seeing a pretty steep reversal. That's from Luke Velasquez. You can see that line going up. We're getting into heating fuel season. It's getting you got to be smart. I'm looking at these load boards, right? Those rates have not gotten much better. It's been stuck around 224, 222 for months now. Jamie, what's so important about running smart and running efficiently? Well, in any business, that's everything, isn't it? Like uh, being efficient, keeping it from, um, you know, keeping everything in the black. That's the hard part. Um, Rates aren't going up and they were already low and then fuel's going up on top of it. So I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Things are getting kind of crazy, but that's uh, that's how it works in trucking, isn't it? Uh, Been in the business long enough to see it kind of ride these cycles and all you can do is ride them, right? What kind of impact? Because there's fuel surcharge. So for those who are not, they're they're a little confused. They're not fully aware of how this works. What what kind of pressure does a rising price in fuel put on a driver? So there is a fuel surcharge for sure, as long as you're on a contract. Yeah. Uh, in our situation, half of our fleet is under a contract. We're getting a fuel surcharge and a very healthy one. So I'm not afraid in that scenario. The other half, we're just kind of running loads, not necessarily off the load board, but brokered freight. We got a couple customer loads that we bid off of. So, I mean, obviously we can move those about, but Really, ultimately, I'd say 80% of our stuff is just open market stuff. So it's, you know, we're getting hammered, really. So 
How do you run efficiently? Is it just driving slow? What is the key to getting, like, what is your average mile per gallon? And, and what is the mile per gallon you're, you're proud of? And how do you achieve that? With this truck here, uh, my average right now is right around 10, like 9.98. In one week, it's over 10. And that includes everything that I do, heavy loads, light loads. Uh, some of the lighter loads I've gotten into the 12 mile per gallon range. Um but it makes a huge difference. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a game changer when it comes to this game, right? Like, uh, keeping everything low. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough out here. So how do you do it though? Like, how are you managing how, how you oh, drive yeah. and, and how you move the truck and, and how you're managing that part of it? I'm, I'm pretty easy on the foot. I guess that's how it works. The, um, really light on my takeoffs, I tend to back out of a real early when coming to a stop, kind of coasting, using the vehicle's momentum. Uh, driving slow is the easiest way and the cheapest way to get fuel economy. Um, no, Anybody can do it, right? Like if you just uh, run at a slower speed down the highway, you're guaranteed better efficiency. Uh, ironically enough, if you measure it, driving, say, 62 versus, say, 68, it only ends up costing you about a mile to two in your actual average for the day. So it ends up costing about 10 to 15 minutes in your day, but it saves you, you know, 50, $60 in fuel a day. That's pretty impactful. That's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty impactful, but you know, this is, this is a tough market. It's not just fuel that's happening there because there's so many hidden costs and unhidden costs and scams and, and, and just ways a driver can get dinged with something. You had a situation with a shifting load that cost thousands. Tell me about that. Oh, he had to bring that up. <laughs> well, I, uh, one of our drivers, um, he had plastic pallets in the drive van there, and they, they had them singled down the middle, uh, heavy product in it, and they all slid to the right, uh, obviously because of the curvature of the road. Everything kind of moves to the right because of the lean. And I just uh, was in a kind of in a meeting at the time, and I, I just pulled up the first person I could find on truck down, and uh, – it just happened to be a shady, uh, uh, a shady uh, tow truck company out of uh, Illinois, and uh, they took advantage of the situation. They charged us thirteen thousand dollars to basically slide some pallets from one end of the trailer to the other. Yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> Don't that's use brutal. Speedy G. That is so. How do you how, like? How do you even avoid something like that? Because they already have your truck, and then like they're billing you, right? There's it's hard for you to know that's, if you're just taking a, a mechanic up um, on a whim exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly. You know, I I actually did call a sheriff when the guy presented the bill because I was kind of highway robbery, and they locked us in their in their uh, chain link fence and said we couldn't leave until we were you know paid the bill in full, and we had to direct deposit it. You know, had to wire them the money. We couldn't just write a check, couldn't pay a credit card, anything. And uh, and the guy basically said in Illinois, they have all the right in the world to give you any bill they want and you have to pay it and you can fight it later in court, but you have to pay the bill. Oh, and they, they locked you? They, they kept you prisoner on their property? Yeah, they did let the driver leave because technically they can't hold a human being, but they can hold the truck and trailer and the load itself. Yeah. So that's what they done. Yeah, they locked us up. Wow. Bad situation. I hope you can. How do you how do you avoid the other situations? We talk about double brokering so much. There's a new scam going around of people stealing MC numbers. Um, How do you protect yourself there? 
That is a tough one, isn't it? Um, yeah. Scared to death of that situation because I, you know, it's the market's tough as it is to not get paid and do work for it would be horrible. Um, I haven't really figured out a way other than like you, you, I try to establish a good conversation with the broker that I'm working with. But definitely sticking to the people we know. Anybody we don't know, I try to immediately, you know, Google them, look up reviews, try to verify the email that they sent it from. I mean, just trying everything a guy can, anything a guy can really to, to verify that this is the right people, right? So far, we've had good luck, you know. I'm sure our luck will run out one of these days the way it's going, though. How are you getting How are you getting loads? Or most of these, like you mentioned, you had contracts. At least half of them are under contracts. So are you doing a lot of load board freight? Not a whole lot. Uh, right at the beginning, we were. But now we've got such good um, good relationships with brokers. I mean, I'd say 80% of what we do is is brokered, but it's directly from somebody we already know. Like, it's not off the board and, you know, that kind of stuff. So that, that's a huge advantage in itself. Has there been any pressure to draw down those contracts a little bit in reaction to where spot is at? We have been dropping <laughs> like, like a prom dress, as they say, right? Like it's, it's going, it keeps going down every week. They're like, Hey, we can get somebody to do this for this. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess we're negotiating right now. Okay. So, you know, just, keeps getting worse and worse as the that gap as you guys keep calling it you know between the spot and and the, the market keeps kind of dwindling you know yeah no that spread is uh that spreads brutal when you when you see something like yellow going under in this market i know that it's not completely due to the market yellow had a lot of a lot of issues i mean they had to get that 700 million cares loan but they've almost gone under numerous times on on other times but does that scare you at all does that make you nervous is there almost like an existential like dread when something like that happens Oh, I don't know. I think a lot of people, I, I mean, I've seen yellow my whole life in the trucking industry. It's been around. Uh, I know quite a few guys uh, with the um, South Dakota Trucking Association, you know, YRC there in South Dakota. I know them quite well. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I feel bad for those guys. But like you said, it's been poorly run for a long time. It's been on the brink several times. Um, I remember those guys actually getting laid off at one point. And then coming back to work, like everything was going to be okay. Um, it's it is scary though. I will I will admit that. Like to see somebody like that be vulnerable, you know, a ninety nine year company that should have been sitting pretty rock solid, right? Like, <laughs> but time in the game doesn't guarantee anything. We are all just as vulnerable as the next one. No, I mean sometimes it can be a detriment if you're a company like Yellow and you you haven't changed with how your company has changed. I mean, one of their biggest issues is they wanted to synergize you one Yellow, but it, it took them a long time to get there and maybe too long. But you mentioned something there too. A lot of companies are struggling, and I have um I have a video I want you to see. So let's jump into good news, bad news, and I, I want to show you what this driver went through. Positive bad news and good news. So basically, the good news on this one is you're a driver. You think you're going back to your employer to get some new tires. The bad news is this is what happens when you show up, Jamie. Life as a trucker. There's the good days and the bad days. Uh, my my office sent me up here. Supposedly, this is my truck. And there were, I was coming up here to the yard to get some tires because I've been driving around with bad tires for a week. 
and uh, they didn't want to fix it. They told me they have new tires for me, so I went ahead and did, took one for the team and drove over here. And then when I get here, they tell me that they went bankrupt. There's no more DIJ. They told me to go leave my trailer and park my truck. Um, I've been with them for two years. I've been over the road for four years. Before this, I was a hardcore meth addict on the street, stealing, lying, cheating, um, being a terrible father with my kids. But uh, my kids and God got me sober and I became a truck driver four years ago and I've never looked back. We can drop this. This is I D. I would have told me what's worth. We can drop this. This is D. Just silence that. Silent. Yeah, thank you. This is DIJ Group. They filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy back in March of this year, but apparently they weren't able to restructure because when this driver showed up just the other day, this is what happened. Jamie, what do you, when you see a situation like that, how do you feel? It's sad. I mean, it really is because, I mean, look at that guy. He really got. No, no warning. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's horrible that uh, management couldn't have warned people beforehand. I get it. You don't want to scare people off, but at the same point, like it, you got to be honest with people, right? Like you can't just, Hey, come in for some tires and Oh, by the way, don't bother coming back. You know, that's horrible. No, yeah. Well, not, but, not only I did mean, you lose your job, you feel like you've been manipulated too. Well, that's just it. It leaves a, a pretty sour taste. Thank God this guy has a, a great uh, attitude about it. You know, he's like, hey, I'm going to keep going. And it's true. I mean, I'm getting applicants left and right, um, which is a good thing for us. I mean, like I said, if we can survive this, we're going to come out of this actually stronger. We might even double in size if we can come out. So that's, you know, that's the thing. Like you're going to have people going out, people growing. It's just how it shifts, right? Like um, there's been a lot of great companies over the, the 40 years I've seen in trucking, they've all come and gone. Like, I mean, there's been some really great ones in South Dakota that have just evaporated over time. You know, it's just kind of the trucking, you know, attrition and, and then rebirth, you know. So along comes Hellbent Express out of nowhere, you know, after several companies have gone, you know, over the years. So it's it's kind of life, isn't it? How, <laughs> how many drivers? How many drivers are, uh, yeah, Simba, how many drivers are you up to in this circle of life? Well, we got 14 trucks, uh, two owner operators, and uh, 11 drivers right now, and I'm the 12th. So, yeah. Not bad. 14 got, all in. Got a full tribe growing over there at Hellbent Express. Now, Jamie, think back to when you were a young buck, though. You know, if, if you can remember that that long ago. I know for me, the, the memory is, is not great. But think back to when you got your first headset and how proud you were to be a driver. Let's take a look at this tape. <laughs> I've been a truck driver for almost three years now, and I never had a headset. But today, I'm going to get a headset. I asked one of my other truck driver homeboys which one I should get. He said the Blue Parrot B450 is the one I should have. And it's actually on sale. He said that's a good price because it's usually $200. So she's opening it up for me. She's getting it. And I'm going to pay for it in a minute. Have a good day. And I'm going to go ahead and put it on. Let y'all know how it goes. actual headset. See how it looks. <laughs> So happy, he's so proud. Hey, of your boy up. is official, <laughs> bro. This is crazy. Like, I know it's, it sounds crazy to y'all, but inside of the trucking world, bro, like, and y'all be seeing the memes. It's like, damn, truck drivers never take this headset off. I'm getting ready to be one of those truck drivers. <laughs> All right, drop this, drop this, Jamie. Jamie, All right, you're let's turn them on. 
Jamie, uh, first of all, did he make the right choice on the headset in that store? No. 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 I would have cautioned him the B450 is horrible. Oh. I've owned it. Several of my drivers have owned it. Take it, throw it out the window. Really? I can't recommend Plantronics enough. Plantronics has been doing headsets for years, decades. Get yourself some Plantronics. Go online. Truck sounds are nice, but, you know, wow, not great, the best. Great advice. I would have taken that Blue Parrot as an endorsement. I would have tried to be just like that guy. I'm glad, I'm glad that you set me straight on, on this one. It, it does seem yeah. like I have one, actually. I have a Blue Parrot that someone gave me a Gats. It's like a camouflage one. I don't really have any use for it, but it's at, the, it's at the bottom of a... Maybe I'll, like, give it away on here or something. Now, Jamie, how handy <laughs> are you? You do any D- DIY projects? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's you can't own a truck without doing half the work yourself, right? Like, uh, a couple of days ago, I swapped out some uh, trailer tires on two different trailers. Um, I mean, I'm... You name it, I've done it, I guess. Uh, grew up on a farm, so always working. Oh my gosh, not this thing. Yeah, so you ever put a, a beer, uh, you ever put a beer tap in your lazy boy? Uh, I gotta say, my first right? thoughts when, when I'm watching this is like the toilet seat is not appetizing. I, I thought he was gonna be putting like right. a, originally I thought he was That's gonna take this a, off and like put leather on his toilet seat, but no, he's got That's a what I thought too, yeah. He's got, he's got a completely different plan in mind. He's punching this thing. Like these TikTokers are out of control. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty wild. I don't, uh, I didn't see that coming really. When he was doing all this, I was like, "What in God's name?" And then just all of a sudden, throw some ice and a kegerator on there, and I'm like, "Wow." <laughs> His beer pour is is pretty hard to look at, and when, when he gets over to it. Yeah, like uh, he, he probably should have bled that line a little bit first. Would the would the misses appreciate something like this showing up in the uh, the hell bent household? Well, I don't know why she wouldn't. You know. That's just a no-brainer for a guy that you want to stay home all the time. Oh, yeah. Keg in his armchair there. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting drunk off his ass, but football season's starting soon, so it's a good time for him. What, what, what beer's in your kegerator if you're installing this one in your house? Uh, for me, it's probably going to be like a Stella or a Heineken. You know mm. what I mean? Like, uh, definitely not Bud Light. <laughs> no, well, and you can't go too heavy if you're sitting in your chair, like just drinking a beer all day. you got to go with some sort oh, of light God, beer. No. You don't oh, yeah, want you like to go with a Pilsner, maybe a Labatt's. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to put the Guinness tap in there. No, no, that's 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 kind of one and done, isn't it? Now, here's the annoying thing about this. So this he has to put ice in here all the time. Yeah, and then you notice he didn't put a liner in, so that's going directly onto the wood. That's, oh, I know. that's gonna be a, a <laughs> heck of a mess in a minute. This chair's gonna rot from the bottom and like through his floor. Yeah, you know, they make most of that stuff with press. Pressed wood, too. You know what I mean? It's not even real wood. What do you think one of these would cost if someone were to make one for you? You know, I'm uh, I'm here for it. You know, if someone wants to design something like this, <laughs> the keg chair, you know, I'm willing to pay upwards of $1,000. You would pay $1,000. So, listeners, if you want to make a really solid keg chair, 1000 bucks, and uh, Jamie will be on your team. Can we speed this up a little bit? Oh, here it comes. Maybe. Is, this kind of, is the beer here pour comes, coming? Here comes the pour. <laughs> that's, the, that's the coupe de gras. When you realize you screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Look at this thing. You should have bled that tap. Foam. It is <laughs> the first foam. pour. It is the first pour. Yep. 
pill at that one. So, well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Go guys. check out Hellbent Hagen on the X. Go check out Hellbent Express to have your freight moved and his 12 drivers. And I think you mentioned he might be hiring. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find me uh, uh, our show on social media at FW, What the Truck, TikTok, all those things. Subscribe to the show where we get podcasts. Take care. Don't be a stranger.